sure there's plenty of podcasts going on. This is so funny. The following is a fan off production. So, do you know if you need to, to see Age of Adeline before you saw Age of Ultron? <laughs> uh, I think they're standalone movies. I, th- I think you'll be all right watching one or the really? other. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I thought for sure it was connected to the to the MCU. Well, you know, it, it's kind of like that thing of like, should you start by watching the Madness of King? Uh, oh God. No, that joke's gone out the window, isn't it? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember which king it was that was mad. Was it George or Richard? Why, I'm an Englishman asking an American this question. Why would you uh, know? I, I don't know. No. I. Anyway. <laughs> um, Avengers. It's out. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. I saw it on launch day in the UK about a week ago. Uh, I was going to go to a midnight screening and then remembered that I actually had that week off so fuck it I would watch it at a decent hour um, and it came out in the US when? like Monday? Or uh, this it came out Thursday night uh, which um, so the because it, it technically came out on Friday Okay. it came out here Thursday so, so um, it kind of so officially it came out on the 1st of May yeah okay cool and you've seen it Yes, as I've you seen it. see everything. <laughs> what? As as you see everything. Yes, I see everything, and <laughs> I've finally seen I've finally seen Age of Ultron. Um. So, and we're gonna spoil it, right? We're, oh, we are gonna I mean, spoil the ever-loving shit out of Age of Ultron. So, yeah. if anyone that's listening to this hasn't seen it yet, please turn off now because if you don't. We can't be held responsible. Uh, we're assuming from this point out that anyone that's listening has already seen the movie or doesn't care if they have it spoiled for them. So now that we've said that, we're on safe ground. We can do whatever the hell we want. We can say whatever the hell we want. Uh, yeah, uh, we can we can talk about the the character who dies. Ah, so, yes, we can. We we could say it right now, but we we could. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that just like whoever still might be listening was really <laughs> nervous and turned it off. Okay, let's we can start from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the jump yeah. straight to the end. That's um, a good idea. Okay, so uh, Age of Ultron. Where do we start? Where opening, where, where do we? I think the opening battle. I think that's the best place to start. Yeah, like that was brilliant. Like it just it it has such great purpose because it shows that the team has been together for a while. They all know uh-huh. what each other are about. They have these moves like Thor using his uh, uh, like using Mjolnir and hitting Captain America's shield and the shockwave, kind of uh, mm-hmm. leveling a bunch of uh, Hydra agents. Um, really, really clever, and it was a very good way I thought of showing us that the team have been together for a while at this point and they've gotten to be an actual team, unlike the first movie where. Even at the end of that film, you still felt like they weren't really a team so much as just a bunch of people that were at least not beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> right. And, like, I I said this on Twitter, uh, but what's really interesting, I think, about the watching Age of Ultron 
Mm. Uh, I watched it in theaters, and then <clears throat> like um, uh, FX over here. Uh, I don't know if you have that in England, uh, but yeah, the... they changed over to Fox, though. I think yeah, it yeah. happened at the same time. It's, Fox in America yeah, changed to same. FX, didn't it? And <laughs> they've done but the opposite we have, here. We have Fox, FX, and FXX. So FXX? they're three different channels, but they're all owned by the same people. Is FXX like the porn version of FX? No, oh, um, it's just two X's. Just two that's X. FXXX is the one you're thinking of. <laughs> F triple X. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, the, the FX has been showing Marvel movies constantly because they have the rights to like all of them, and hmm. of course they were showing the Avengers. And I, so I saw Age of Ultron, and then the next day I was home and the Avengers was on, and I was watching the Avengers, and I realized that um, the the whole phase one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, starting from Iron Man to the Avengers, hmm. I always felt. Um, that the all of these standalone movies, these are all origin stories, and these stories are leading to the Avengers, and then we're going to get everybody into the Avengers, and that's like the the end of uh, like we at this. So by the time we do Avengers, the origin stories are over. We know all these characters, hmm. and now they're all together, and we and that's like the end of what we've been leading up to. Yeah, but when I see Age of Ultron. <laughs> Um, and then I go back and watch the Avengers. I realize the Avengers is an origin story too. Uh, it also is one. It's yeah. the last origin story because it's the origin story of the Avengers. Mm. And once you watch the second movie and you start to pick up on like, like you see things like, um, in, in, um, age of Ultron, the, um, Stark Tower has become the Avengers, uh, Avengers Tower. Tower. Yeah. Um, and they they fly their jets right up to it. They land there. They're all hanging out and having a good time. Um, the uh, how th- these different elements of kind of them all being together are kind of there. I'm trying to think of a lot of different examples, but but what happened was I realized I went back and watched it, and I went so like when you watch Tony land on Stark tower and he lands on the pad and it starts taking off all of his Iron Man stuff. And then you watch age of Ultron and then the, the uh, Quinjet just kind of lands on Stark tower and, and like drops him off. It looks very similar to when Iron Man would like drop himself off. Yeah. And uh, the fact that the entire battle of New York ends with the the Avengers a being left on Stark tower, that's a very origin story move. And like, I just realized that what that movie was just basically setting up this idea of all of the things that you were going to eventually see in age of Ultron Mm. in a weird way. It almost feels like if you, when you watch that movie, you go back and you go, Oh, that was like setting up all of these things that we would eventually see. It wasn't just its own thing. No. Which is kind of weird. Yeah. But then, you know, it, it's only right that that should be the case because this entire set of movies from the first Iron Man and even before then, like Hulk, you know, it kind of gets lost in the in the mix. But Hulk really, an incredible Hulk, were the first two movies in this kind of uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, people don't really think of the original Hulk as being part of it, but it does kind of follow on to Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton, and then obviously the Hulk character is carried over with the same backstory 
into um, all of the other Marvel movies where uh, Bruce Banner makes an appearance. But this has been going on for a long time and all of these movies feed into each other and it makes sense that Avengers, the, the first Avengers movie, not be an end point but actually just be like a way station and a way of setting up other characters. You know, remembering that, okay, we may not have seen Hawkeye for the first time in Avengers, but it was the first movie where we actually got to see enough of him to get an idea of the kind of character he is. But then really, talking about origins, I'm not even sure that we've really had an origin for Hawkeye. Age of Ultron serves as a much more of kind of like a a rounding off of the character. Um, Mm. And almost like an end point for him, because he's walking away from the Avengers at the end of this. Like, spoilers, but we warned you about that. Um, Yeah. but you know, do you think like that there's a possibility that we may see Hawkeye in other movies, or that he might end up coming back for the next Avengers movie or anything like that? Like, I think, I think. Well, my here's my theory. My theory is that I've been thinking a lot recently, uh, like before Age of Ultron, um, mm. and it's weird because like the, the, my, the things I'm about to say, that nothing is is directly talked about or referenced in Age of Ultron, but I just all of the elements that I got from Age of Ultron are like putting this picture together for me. And going into Age of Ultron, I kept thinking, when is the Marvel Cinematic Universe going to end? Because eventually <laughs> you're going to get rid of these people. Do we just keep going forever? Or yeah. do we... like wh- How is this going to work? Mm. And that was what I thought before Age of Ultron. After I saw Age of Ultron, I realized that instead of just a bunch of movies that are all connected, the... Marvel Cinematic Universe is actually, like, basically three different movies. Um, It's a trilogy, Phase 1, Phase 2, and Phase 3. Phase 1 is the origin of all of our original Avengers, uh, ending in the Avengers, which is the origin of the team. And the second phase was all about kind of establishing the character. It's It's the middle part of all of their stories. And, well, except for... Tony Stark kind of had his finale in Iron Man 3. That's kind of like the end of his trilogy. Yeah. But um, the all of the stories are... This is the middle part of the, of the series when everything is um, established and normal. And then Phase 3, I think, is when everything ends. <laughs> and so we had, we had everything begin in Phase 1. Everything being established in phase two and phase three we have captain america civil war which is like you know everything being torn apart ragnarok which is destruction and the end of the world Mm. um the infinity wars which we know is gonna end a lot of stuff and it all leads up to the infinity wars part two and in age of ultron you start to get a sense that maybe everything is kind of leading to officially a finale like when you go back and you see that avengers ends setting up thanos and we're at the end of phase two uh, almost with ant-man technically being the end of phase two that we still have seen very little of thanos so him being introduced as a villain at the end of the avengers really means that they are they are making he's a big deal to the point where Mm that's the ultimate end that's the that's where everything's been leading to mm. yeah which in, in cinema makes a lot more sense than it would do in comic land 
Um, <laughs> of course, the thing about comics is that you know they they, they keep going. Um, and Thanos might be the big bad in the Marvel universe, but you know where it comes to the the comics, like they deal with Thanos and then they move on to the next thing. Um, and I wonder if maybe rather than it being kind of like a a three stages and we're done kind of thing, whether it might be more likely that they'll get to the end of stage three and they'll already have stage four and five worked out. And yeah, they might, they won't have these guys under contract forever. I think that you know everyone already knows that Robert Downey Jr. is really coming very close to the end of his contract and that chances are he might not be re-signing. I think the chances are that uh, Chris Evans might not be re-signing from the noises that have been coming out of his camp. Um, I think that by the, I think Infinity Wars ends the official the the original Avengers storylines. Hmm. I think you, you could pretty much say goodbye to Captain America, uh, Iron Man, Thor. Hmm. I think they're all going to be uh, done. Like they might not. They might never. It's not like they'll never appear again. They could probably make cameos and come back every once in a while. But I think they're going to be they the, by that by the end of that whether they live or die through Infinity Wars, hmm. I think that they're not going going to be around really anymore by the end of that. Yeah, and you're going to start seeing this transition into the new Avengers more and seeing more of them, um, which I, of course is how Age of Ultron ends. Is yeah. the seeds of the Avengers as it stands now are not going to be there forever. But I think Infinity Wars Part 2 ends with literally every Marvel character that we've seen so far together fighting Thanos. No, it has to. You're going to have an Avengers team consisting of about a dozen people. um, Mm -hmm. And they'll use at least one of the movies coming up. I wouldn't be surprised. The fact that the Avengers are now... And I don't want this to sound uncharitable in... I mean, it is, but it, it's it's not meant to be. But the Avengers, in terms of the characters, and also, to a large extent, the actors that are playing them, are not A-list characters and actors. Um, they're all very talented. Like, Paul Bettany is a very, very good actor, as are a lot of the other um, actors that are going to be in the Avengers. But... I wonder if this transitioning of the Avengers from an all-star cast to kind of like a bit more of a mixture of kind of A-list and B-list members, whether they might pop up in a lot more of the individual films going forwards leading into Infinity Wars so they can establish them as Avengers but also as characters in their own rights before they... I think that's where the problem with this transition isn't that the B list aren't A's. The 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 B Avengers, the new well, the, Avengers. The new Avengers. We yeah. should call them the new Avengers. We That's what call they are called. The I mean, Avengers. it's the new Avengers facility that they end up in. So they are the new Avengers. Yeah. The um, the the thing about it is that, with the exception of Mark Ruffalo, who joined for the for the Avengers, and um, Robert Downey Jr. Well, even then. The the Avengers team is made up of people who I wouldn't say were A-list celebrities before the Avengers. Chris Hemsworth certainly wasn't. Uh, Chris Evans was popular but and was known, but he definitely wasn't an A-list star. No, but um, the character he was playing did put him in that position where he could but, shine as such. 
Whereas Robert Downey Jr. wasn't when Iron Man came out, he wasn't an A-list celebrity anymore. He was no. he was, but at the time that movie came out, he wasn't. But everyone knew so, who he was at least, like yeah, you know. Was... So like giving those guys their individual movies and creating the Avengers made those guys stars. Yeah. What I'm worried about is that those transitional characters are are being characters in the in the cinematic universe. I so, think that's more of the concern is the characters rather than the uh, the actors playing them. Because as I said, like the the actors that are involved are all very talented. Um, I'd say Don Cheadle is more a list than Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, well, probably, not now, but probably, was but, before going into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I so I what what I was going to try and, and get to really was the idea that um, you've got these actors that are coming to the end of their contracts, and if they don't renew, I could very easily see them James Bonding it and just getting a new actor in to play the role. Just have the character disappear for a few movies and then bring them back with a different actor under the hood or, you know, in the armor or whatever it is you want to say. Um, and I think for the most part, the public will buy that because it's the character rather than the actor. You know, Bond has gone on for 50 years because of the fact that people relate to the character rather than the actor, for better or worse. You know, some of the films weren't as popular as others, but that's as much down to the creative direction changing as it was the actor so you know and i don't see the creative direction changing for avengers because they've got a very set hierarchy there um but yeah i mean this is kind of devolved into the future of marvel talk which you know we should probably get back onto the actual film we haven't even actually talked about the movie we haven't no Uh, but it's all you know i i'm enjoying talking about this i hope people that are listening are enjoying us talking and, and kind of uh presupposing what might be happening um but yeah i i I could definitely see them using the new avengers to kind of bring them into a a couple of other movies a few cameos maybe not the whole team but certainly one or two of them and then eventually as you say infinity crisis comes uh, infinity crisis jesus christ i'm thinking dc now um the infinity wars come around and everybody just piles in um and that will be the big kind of ending point um but that's a way off uh, we've got to talk about this movie, which kind of revolves around the mind gem, which uh, we've seen in the previous we, Avengers movie. Right, but we didn't know it was the mind gem. I think that's no. weird because we've we've known that Loki's scepter contained an Infinity Stone for a very long time. We did. But it was always blue, and we find mm. out in this movie that there was something protecting the inside, which was the mind gem, yeah. which is the yellow stone. Mm. So it was kind of off-putting because this whole time we didn't realize we were looking at the mind, the mind stone. Yeah, I think everyone realized that it was an infinity gem, but the, the weird thing was that because the Tesseract, which is technically the first infinity gem or stone that we've seen, um, because that is also blue, we were a little bit confused because uh, you know the continuity of the comics is always that there are kind of different colors for every gem and no two gems are the same color and it was a clever way of getting around it just saying no well look it's actually encased in like this blue kind of uh, glass or crystal or whatever it is and so they break it out and obviously it ends up becoming part of Paul Paul Bettany's character Um, just skipping back to like earlier in the film um, we're that battle that uh, the Avengers are introduced in um, we get our first kind of look at the Joss Whedon style of humour again, which we haven't mm. seen since the first Avengers. Um, 
the talk between the guys. I mean, there's there's been some stuff made. Some people have said some stuff about Captain America's line of language. Um, sure. You know, watch your language. Personally, I thought that was actually quite funny. Um, I I don't know how you felt about it. Like when when you saw it. For oh, the first I liked time. it. I yeah. thought it was. I think it was like I don't I don't know why he had a problem with it. Well, he's Maybe a man out of he's, all he's a man out Goody. of time. It, you know, I I think that it's reflective of the fact that he's a man with 1930s values living in 2015. Yeah. And I I like that. I like the fact that he still has some issues like he still had them back in um the Winter Soldier, you know. Uh he he was getting in ideas for playlists and like keep getting him up to speed on he had a little notebook that he was taking notes every time someone mentioned something new to him he'd like write it down and commit it to memory um Mm -hmm. and they've done a really good job actually i think of kind of getting this idea that yeah he's in the modern day but he still thinks like a guy from the 30s so yeah he's gonna have a problem with strong language um Uh, and, and i like that he um the thing that's great, though, I think, and I think that Chris Evans is the reason why this works. Chris Evans makes Captain America very likable, yeah, and to the to the point where I think Captain America, I, I don't think anyone would argue with this, is probably the least relatable of the Avengers. Not only is he, like you said, out of time; he's from a completely different decade yeah. uh, than any of us mm-hmm. who would be, you know, watching the movie, but he. He has a lot of those. He he's a goody two shoes. He has these moral values that people probably wouldn't agree with. But there's something about Chris Evans' performance as Captain America that makes him really likable and really relatable, and not like this stoic guardian of the good that he yeah. usually, I think, feels like whenever you see him. He always just seems like this this wishy washy guy who just cares about doing good and doesn't, you know, like he doesn't have an edge to him. No. And if they, they even allude that he does have an edge to him in this movie, uh, just in dialogue. They don't really show anything. <laughs> but uh, he does have this – there's something about the casting of him that makes him really likable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the fact that when he says something stupid like language and, and they spend the rest of the movie yeah. making fun of him for yeah. it, yeah. that he also like immediately realizes how stupid he sounds when he says yeah. something He, like he says something like, I'm, I'm going to be getting this for – weeks or something like that to me um, <laughs> uh, some people kind of criticized it i don't know in, entirely what they had the, I, I think maybe they just didn't find it funny for whatever reason but i have to say uh, the cinema that i was in um it got a laugh on the three occasions i can remember because they had one at the beginning one in the middle one at the end and on every occasion i definitely heard other people laughing i was laughing at it um yeah it's during this battle scene we also get the introduction again because we've already seen them very briefly at the end of um, one of the other Marvel movies that I can't was it Winter Soldier Winter Soldier the twins the twins yes um, the um, what should be Magneto's children but obviously because the X Men don't exist they are just two kids um, that uh, we find out a bit more about them later I suppose we can ca- we can kind of tackle that now there's no need to do it like massively in order. I like their motivations as to why they're kind of anti-Avengers and particularly anti-Tony Stark. They see, yeah, they're, I think they're more... more <clears throat> well, I think they're, they're specifically anti-Tony Stark and Iron Man is at the center of the Avengers and the Avengers um, 
seem to interfere a lot, and and you kind of see that the oh damn it, I just Eastern forgot the name Europe of the city. Does not like the Avengers because I What's think the maybe the they're city? seen as kind of American world police. Yeah, um, and they definitely are, and especially in in this era uh, with kind of Iraq behind us and Afghanistan and all these kind of things. I think there is a sentiment in a lot of definitely there's a sentiment in Eastern Europe. Um, and that's probably as a byproduct of Russia as well, that um, anything that comes out of America, unless it's Coca-Cola or McDonald's, just isn't popular. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure Game of Thrones qualifies as one of those things that gets exempt from the hatred now. Uh, but, well, it doesn't uh, feel American. <laughs> it doesn't feel American, though. And actually, a lot of it is produced in um, Ireland and uh, the UK. So, uh, yay us. Um but yeah, so you get that feeling of their hatred towards uh, Tony Stark, and it's completely justified because, as they kind of explain, their parents were killed by a Stark Industries bomb, and they were trapped under their bed for what two or three days with, by an unexploded Stark Industries bomb, which sounds a little bit off, really, because Tony Stark's technology always works. So for a bomb not to explode, that sounds very unlike him, uh, I have to say. Uh, so, <laughs> um, I, well, I'm trying to. Well, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. There was. Uh, well, I mean, he he had some kinks to work out when he first tried the Iron Man suit, and he has that one. He has the one arm machine that never worked. <laughs> True, but he, I don't. Did he build that though? I don't know. I'm kind yeah. of missing those machines. He built actually. two, and one of them never worked right, and he he hated that one. I don't know that it didn't work right. I think he gave it too much of a personality, <laughs> and it just ended up biting him in the ass. Um, but we see their powers as well, and um, I think a lot has been made, especially of like the X-Men version of Quicksilver. They said that he looked stupid. Um, I kind of want to get your opinion of, of Quicksilver's look in this movie, because he just looks like he's wearing track gear all the time, right. which actually <laughs> I quite what, like. I actually do like that, because that's why he, he runs. Yeah. He's a runner, and so... He wears. He's not really, really wearing like a traditional like costume, but he's wearing just kind of like a tracksuit. Like he's just kind of wearing something that would be practical for somebody whose superpower is running all the time. Yeah, yeah. And um, the introduction to uh, Scarlet Witch, especially, I have to say, there's a moment where she knocks Captain America for six, and then kind of does that backward walk and slams uh-huh. the doors. I was like, my god, this is amazing. If she looks like this all the time, this is going to be so cool. And it was she the only time they did out it. as like a horror character yeah. when she first shows up. It starts out like something out of a J-horror, like The Ring mm-hmm. or The Grudge or something. And then I was kind of disappointed that I never saw that out of her again. Um, it, it made me wonder why they did it to begin with. Was it just the castle? Like, Do you think it was because of the setting no, they thought? Because they wanted to... I, I think they wanted to introduce her as something very creepy and scary yeah. and unnerving. And, and they kind of rolled with that through most of the first half of the movie, I think. Mm. And then once you get to know them a little bit more, the that kind of goes away, I think. Yeah, which is vital because we're being introduced to them as villains and mm. then they're being changed into heroes in the same movie. So they needed to get through a lot of work to turn those characters around, to give them their justification for being bad and then turning them around and giving them a reason to be good. Um, I also like the, the, 
with the twins, mm-hmm. I like they they straight out say it. Uh, Captain America says it, but there is a the, their story, their origin story, and how they got their powers draws from Captain America. And I think the fact that knowing that the super soldier serum worked on Captain America hmm. is the reason why the twins have their powers because they, uh, Captain America says that like, ba- they basically imply that Captain America became Captain America because he, he wanted to fight the Nazis. Right. He wanted to protect America. He had a lot of nationalism in him and he was very, he was fighting for a reason and a cause, and yeah. he had a reason for it to work. And so and delay in a way. Ultron basically implies when they tell the story of how that Stark missile destroyed their home, which we hear earlier on, and then they volunteer for these experiments, and they are the only two people that the experience not, experiments not only worked on them, but actually gave the like like it didn't kill them. Mm, <laughs> they didn't yeah. die, but it actually worked. If their willpower pulled them through in a in a way, right? Their in willpower. The same way that... They have such strong willpower, just like Captain America. Yeah, that they were able to get through it. Mm, yeah. Um. What did you think of their accents? I <laughs> wish. Unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I I like them both as actors, and at times the accents were pretty decent, but uh, they really trod that tightrope of stereotypical Russian bad guy accent. Um, I just wish that they didn't have to have Russian accents, but no. they did. I'm guessing <laughs> because of this, the way the story was written. I'm guessing but, that by the next time we see Scarlet Witch, she will probably have a very toned down accent. Um, I hope so. Actually, out of the two of them, her accent was the less of lesser of the two evils. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, Aaron is it Aaron Taylor Johnson? Yeah. Yeah. I like him as an actor. And I literally always forget that. (laughs) Yeah, I really do like him as an actor, but that accent needs to not ever come back. Um, Oh, I don't think that'll be a problem. (laughs) No, no. Uh, We'll get to that. Um, His uh, Unless unless ABC greenlights a show about Quicksilver, I don't think we have to worry about that. Oh, who knows? Who knows? They already brought back Coulson. That's something I want to get to at some point as well. What's the joke I was thinking? Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging the joke, and I'm making a comment that we need to talk about someone else later on. That's all I'm doing. Um, <laughs> do we have to talk about Coulson? Yeah, we want to talk about Coulson, but we'll do a slightly later date. Um, what I want to talk about? <laughs> what I want to talk about right now is the um, kind of getting back into the powers of um, Scarlet Witch. Uh, Tony Stark, first of all, gets out of his suit in the most badass way I've ever seen. Like, it literally just opens up and he steps out of it. Like, I like that. That's the next evolution. We're constantly seeing his suits evolve. And and I like that the suits are also involving in this almost AI way, kind of leading up to Ultron. Yeah. Because after he steps out of his suit, he leaves it in sentry mode. Yeah, yeah. And in Iron Man, we see the beginnings of that. In mm. this movie, we see it, and then it leads into Ultron being created. I it think. does, yeah. Um, but the I, idea I, that he that Tony Stark wants to not be involved anymore. It's he a great wants, idea. He wants Iron Man, but does not want to be inside that suit. No, no. Well, he doesn't want anyone to have to be inside a suit, and that's yeah. the whole idea. He doesn't want a single person to end up getting hurt anymore, um, which is, 
you know, when you think about the story of how the twins rock up and, and become the bad guys in, in the film, it's very fitting that he has come to this point in his life where he's just like, I don't want anyone to ever be hurt again. Um, so he, he finds the staff eventually, the Loki pokey stick, as Kevin Smith once donned it, and I have taken to really loving calling it that. Um, but not before Scarlet Witch does her kind of like mind fuckery, and um, we see possibly one of the best scenes in the movie for me, uh, where he just kind of gets this vision of the future and. Uh, I think he's technically the first Avenger or Marvel hero to see Thanos. Except for Gamora, uh, who obviously, you know, right. father. Has seen him. <laughs> yeah. But straight out hero, I don't think there's anyone else that has seen Thanos. So he is actually the first person to lay eyes on the big bad. Where's Thanos in it again? I, I can't uh, really remember it, but what is he doing? He's just sitting on his throne, isn't he, in that kind of floaty asteroid field. Right. And oh, yeah, um, yeah. Tony looks and he sees the bodies of all of his comrades. And we get that money shot of the Captain America's shield broken in two, which is a big image from Age of Ultron, the, the comic series. And people were wondering, like... The, I remember the IGN... Uh, video articles uh, they do kind of um, rewind theatres for trailers and one of the trailers contained that image of the broken shield and they were doing yeah. this rewind theatre and they said right so we know that they go to Wakanda and Wakanda is known for having vibranium it's like the only place on earth you're going to find vibranium and we know that Captain America's shield is made out of vibranium so obviously in this movie Captain America's shield gets broken and they have to go to Wakanda to repair it. <laughs> no. No, you could nope. not be more they wrong. They do go to Wakanda, but it is not because of that. Because exactly. that hasn't yeah. happened yet. And it, that is brilliant. I I often criticise um, film trailers for spoiling the content of movies and leaving you with nothing to watch. But the Ultron trailer managed to completely subvert my expectations for what was going to happen. And I really, really love that. And the fact that the Star Wars trailers are coming out from the same studio fills me with a lot of hope. Because, quite frankly, at this point, and I know I'm going on a tangent here, but I think it's kind of something I'd, I'd need to talk about. I hope that they don't do anything more than just show us these teasers of Star Wars coming up to Christmas. Because the whole point of a trailer is to get interest in a film coming up, right? Well, I don't think we're, we're going to get like a, a Terminator Genesis or Rogue Nation oh style. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. Trailer. Although, I think we'll, we, fairness, we'll probably get one that has more like enough footage for people to be like, "Oh, they actually finished the movie." Yeah, it'll be like <laughs> there'll be like another teaser, but I hope that they don't go into full trailer mode because there, there would be no point. It would actually be defeat, self-defeating because what you've got at the moment is the most number of people interested in Star Wars as you're probably ever going to have. And you've done it with teasers. So why would you then spoil the content of the movie for somebody who wants to go and watch your movie? I don't think that they're going to do that. And if they do make a full trailer... No, I. but if they are going to make a full trailer, then I expect it's going to be in the same vein as the one that we got for Age of Ultron, which 
completely subverted people's expectations. Speaking of Genesis, I actually think that that latest movie trailer has done it a favour because I didn't really care too much about the movie beforehand, but now I want to know what all this stuff about John Connor is about. But this isn't a Terminator Salvation talk we're having. This is Age of Ultron 1. That so, will come later. That will come later. Definitely, we'll definitely do that. Yeah, yeah. I um, think I'm definitely going to watch that movie anyway, so... Uh, so we... So they've got okay, the staff, so... and they go back to the Avengers uh, Tower, which you mentioned earlier has now been fully outfitted as an Avengers Tower, and not just Tony Stark's tower with the A being uh, left Which on is it. actually implied, and I never realized this, they oh, actually yeah. imply that at the end of the Avengers. They do. Uh, uh, not just because of the A, they actually show Tony... The, there's a couple of seconds where you see him like with the blueprints, kind of these digital blueprints, and you actually see that he's coming up with floor plans for each of the Avengers. And that wasn't something I noticed the first couple of times I saw it. Hmm. Um, but we now have Avengers Tower. Uh, they, they, Bruce and and Tony have this idea for Ultron uh, that's kind of stewing around their heads. Yep. And um, they find they start some turning. AI, don't they? In the in the castle, they they find a computer program which they suppose is artificial intelligence. And they start toying around with it, trying to get it to work to interface with it's the, the Iron Man. Mind Stone, right? No, um, oh, the blue stuff outside the Mind Stone. What, what is it? Oh shit! I think it is something from within the Mind Stone. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure because I, I thought maybe it could have come from the alien tech, because uh, there was a giant ship from the invasion of uh, New York in the underground part of the uh, the castle. So it could have come from that. Um, I'm not 100% actually. They didn't do a very good job of making that clear. But once you get into the nitty gritty of it, it doesn't really matter too much because... It also was the... the I think the more... like I, I, I'm going to see this movie a lot and I'm sure after a couple of viewings it'll be clearer. Mm. But um, so they tinker around and I then we have a party the... where... We get like oh, you get the Stanley kind of cameo. Line. We get the Stanley cameo. <laughs> Which we get a lot brilliant. of really fun bits. Yep. But we also get this line uh, in a conversation with uh, Tony and Thor and uh, um, uh, Maria Hill mm. uh, that uh, <laughs> uh, Pepper Potts and Jade Foster oh, will not yeah. be appearing in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't think that was necessary, because up until that point, I hadn't even thought about it. And, you know, really... Oh, I, was... never, I would never would have said anything, but the Avengers no. felt like... The... I want to know, why does... Why does... Um, uh, why does... Uh, fuck. What's her name? Not Gwyneth Paltrow. The other one. Um, oh, Natalie Portman. Yeah, why does Natalie Portman not want to be in an Avengers movie? I don't know if it's that she doesn't want to be. I think that she may have signed a multi-film agreement the same as everyone else. And they're just saving... But only for the Thor sequels? I have no idea. Honestly, I'm not sure. Maybe they thought that her appearance would literally just be for that party scene. And so why waste her on that? What's the point in well, spending the money on the another Well, she's also not the first one either. Name. They just show a picture of her. Well, I, at least Gwyneth yeah. Paltrow played Pepper Potts in the Avengers. Uh, I'm just not just sure that she's necessary, necessarily that much of a central figure to warrant paying the money to get her in the movie. 
Like It'll why? Be why spend? If she ever shows up in one. She might do. I think she'll probably end up in Infinity War, just the same as everyone else. Um, mm-hmm. But there you go. Um, there was a a really fun little scene during the party. I think at the beginning, maybe just before the party started off, where Thor's hammer is on the uh, table and everyone oh, that's tries after lifting the party. it. Oh, is it after the party? Yeah, because that's right when that's when Ultron comes in. Is right that's after that. right. Yes, yeah. So we get Stanley drinking um, Asgardian uh, ale and being carried out, yelling Excelsior. Um, <laughs> we get Black Widow and uh, Bruce Banner hitting it off of each other and flirting. And um, who is it that is it Captain America that says go for it? It is, isn't it? Basically yeah, yeah. says to Bruce Banner, you should just go for it. Like, and and then Bruce says, wait, you had a thing. Which was kind of cool because they needed to acknowledge right, right. the fact that Captain America Winter Soldier happened. Um, there was, but it a... wasn't, and it wasn't a romantic thing. Ever no, in Winter Soldier between no, the I didn't ever feel that there was any kind of romance there. Um, but there was something that was mentioned in an interview. I think Jeremy Renner and Chris Evans. I think I could be wrong, but they were on the media junket circuit, and. One of them may have called Black Widow a whore, and it they, didn't they go both, down very they both, well. They both did, but it was they it, were joking. But it it's not. It was taken out of context. I I think yeah. in that I think they meant the, it a lot more jokingly. Black Widow has had seemingly romantic storylines with uh, with Hawkeye and um, mm. Captain and Banner. So they they've had. They they were like joking around, but yeah. it just wasn't <laughs> didn't work out that way. This is one of these things uh, people people jump on the story. And, yeah, yeah. So um, not paying too much attention anyways. to that. But yeah, so we we get to that hammer scene, which I I really enjoyed that, especially when Captain America gets to have a go, and like Steve Rogers get gets a, a hand on the hammer, and it, there's a little wobble there, and the look on Chris Hemsworth's face is absolutely yeah, priceless. priceless. That yeah, and and anyone that's kind of familiar with the Marvel comics will know that at certain times Captain America is able to lift that hammer. Um, mm-hmm. I think it happened in. Oh God, I've got it upstairs. Fear itself, I think, um, mm-hmm. which is after Asgard has kind of descended to Earth, and I think four is taken out, and uh, Captain America just picks up the uh, picks up Mjolnir and. Uh, Dishes out some retribution the likes of which you will have never seen. Um, I think I just saw you on video. <laughs> Technical issues here. Yeah, oh, sorry about that. Hold on one second. It's cool. I'll fix it. Can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. Yeah, we can hear you absolutely fine. Uh, hold on one second. Okay. Um, Yep. Um, so what's really, what's another thing that I really like, and I think this is so much of, um, Joss Whedon, I think, and he did this a couple of times. There's a couple of instances of this in the first Avengers, but there is this, running gag throughout the movie, starting with the scene where they all try to pick up the hammer after the party, that they really they really make jokes about the fact that 
Thor, Thor can pick up the hammer and nobody else can pick up the hammer. Hmm. And every male Avengers character tries to pick up the hammer at <laughs> yeah. some point in the movie, including Quicksilver. And um, we saw, obviously, the Hulk do it in the first Avengers movie. He couldn't lift it either. So we see all these people not being able to lift it. And then when the Vision shows up later, he can lift it uh, easily so without any <laughs> yeah. hesitation. But and it, everybody's shocked by it. It is, and there was a, a brilliant burst of laughter that came out of the theatre that I was sitting in. Um, every uh, there was like this gasp for like a second, and people were just registering what had happened, and then everyone just let it out. It was like this massive gasp of relief because there's the big tension, kind of like the vision comes to life, and you're kind of thinking to yourself, "Oh God, what's going on?" Because at first he attacks, and then he's just kind of like. He's a very ethereal character, and he's he's very kind of mysterious to start with. Obviously, he's to a large extent got the same AI as um, Ultron, so you're not quite sure what's going to happen. Um, and then yeah. he, they they make this whole thing about how you know whoever picks up this hammer um, shall be worthy of the title of Thor and all the power of Asgard. Blah blah blah. Um, and they basically make it very clear that if you can lift Mjolnir, then you are a, a good person. Um, which isn't to say the Avengers aren't good people, it's just that they're not worthy of being four. Um, and then the Vision just picks it up like it's nothing and just hands it to four and says, like, let's go. And it's just a wonderful way of just showing, uh, uh, first of all, diffusing that tension, but also just instantly saying, look, this is a good guy. You know how this works. He wouldn't be able to pick it up if he wasn't. Um, but it's also like, and at the end of the movie, they do have this conversation of like, they're still trying to figure out how he's able to pick it up. Oh, yes, and, the lift. <laughs> yeah, I like when he's like, hey, you <laughs> you put the hammer in, a, in, a, in an elevator, uh, it would go up. <laughs> because it's uh, it doesn't mean the elevator's worthy. It just means that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's wonderful. Um, yeah, it's really, really very good. I, I do like that uh, running gag. I, I think Joss Whedon's just excellent at doing that. He'll just he'll set something up. He'll mention it a couple of times, and then he'll drop it for ages. And then just mm -hmm. just before you get to the point where you yourself forget the reference, he'll bring it up again. And his timing for that is just superb. Like I can't think of very many instances at all where he's made a joke and it hasn't hit you know well i and this is a there's another there it's the thor joke what what's nice about this movie is that it makes there's a couple of times where they make these running gags that mm. actually pay off really well yeah and like a lot of ways that's one of them the other one is this on ongoing running gag between hawkeye and quicksilver from the very fir first moment any of them encounter one oh, of the twins. Yeah. yeah. Hawkeye I, and Quicksilver. I could shoot you. I could shoot you right now. Nobody would know. Have you seen Quicksilver? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw him a little while ago. He was running after Ultron. I, I haven't seen him since, though. I, I hope he isn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. the, what's funny is that they, the, the, the running gag specifically is the line, you didn't see that coming. Yeah. And what's absolutely amazing let me break down this joke because yeah. i think it's incredible the I think uh the joke with starts with quicksilver catching one of hawkeye's uh arrows then showing him walking casually with the arrow and say you didn't see that coming did you because he was so fast he wasn't able to see quicksilver grab the arrow mm. uh when he shot it at him and then later on hawkeye 
gets Quicksilver and says, oh, you didn't see that coming. And then at the, the, the whole movie, Joss Whedon does this very dickish move, I think, but ultimately wonderful, where you, you find out Hawkeye is actually a family man. He's got a full family. He's got a wife and kids uh, living in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And nobody knows about it except um, Natasha. Uh, Black Widow is the only one who had any idea in Nick Fury that yeah. he had this family. Um, so then you, once you find out he has a family, there's all this dialogue between him and his wife about how he could die and, and be gone. Yeah, come home safe, blah, blah, blah. And, and when you get to the end of the movie, he's got this clear shot of being able to go home, and you're like, and, and Captain America says, you've done enough, go home, you have a family, don't worry about fighting anymore. And then he sees this kid, and Hawkeye goes, man, I, I can't leave this kid, I gotta go yeah. save him. Yeah, And the, the way Joss Whedon writes all this dialogue, you go, motherfucker is going to kill off Hawkeye. Yeah. And it's so subtle in the fact that it's, he's just been moving you towards this notion the entire time. Mm-hmm. Hawkeye is going to die. He's yeah. got to. There's That's what this all is leading to. And right at the last second, Quicksilver takes all of the bullets for Hawkeye, saves his life, and says... I bet you didn't see that coming. Yeah, it turns which from not a really only is funny a callback, line but to... literally a line to the audience. Yeah, I bet you didn't see the fact that yeah. I was going to die and not Hawkeye. It, it turns <laughs> from the best joke to the most tragic line. Um, and the real problem that I had with it was the fact that I don't feel like we'd had enough of the character Quicksilver. That is to yeah. really feel attached to him when he died. I didn't. Well, I actually did. Oh, I was. Really? I really was really starting to like Quicksilver a lot, but when he dies, and I was really upset, uh, especially at the, the with the new Avengers at the end. There was. Some, I really did feel empty not having Quicksilver there. Yeah. I was like really bummed that he had to die. I mean, don't get me uh, wrong. I I missed him from the point of view that I wanted him to be in other films. Um, yeah, I wanted to see him around. I wanted. But, I wanted him to not have yeah. to be dead. But from a kind of like it's like to 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 bring Coulson back up I really felt sad when he died um, in Avengers because we'd seen him over the course of like four or five movies we hadn't seen him that much but we'd seen him enough that we'd got we saw him a lot in the Avengers oh, we saw him a lot in Avengers but you know up, uh, you could make the same argument that we saw enough of Quicksilver in the uh, Age of Ultron um but I think that because we saw enough establishing stuff on Coulson leading up to Avengers, when it finally yeah, got that's to what that, I'm yeah, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, like you, you get enough of you, you, you have by the time you get to, um, by the time you get to the Avengers, you're getting the same amount of Quicksilver as you are of Coulson, yeah. Uh, more or less, but but you you've you got already this history have established with Coulson. that Coulson is a character that yeah. knows all these characters yeah. and he's been around. Yeah, you the have a time. you have a history with him. He has a history with the characters. Um, he has relationships with those characters, for better or worse. You know, he gets on with quite a few of them, and quite a few of them are very kind of irritated by him. Um, but Quicksilver's just kind of like, I'm here in this movie, and now I'm dead, and that's it. I've had no time to create relationships. You haven't got used to having me around for the last three to four to five years. I'm just in and now I'm gone. And I wonder if maybe they killed him off because of the fact that there are two Quicksilvers at the moment. Or there were. 
I, I don't know if, if that would be something they would even consider or if they were always looking to kill a character off. I don't know. But there we go. I mean, I, I think that's the one weakness of, of this particular film for me um, is that I just didn't feel that emotionally affected or um, kind of attached to Quicksilver as a character. And the reaction of his sister when he died, although understandable... Again, because we didn't have that feeling of connection, or at least I didn't, to the Quicksilver mm-hmm. character, it just felt a little bit hollow. Um, and it was really cool seeing what she did afterwards. Like she went like stone cold pimp mode and just killed the shit out of every robot that moved, except for that <laughs> one that eventually hit the switch. But you know, it just—I don't know. There was just something hollow about it to me. Um, I think my favorite thing that endeared me to Quicksilver is is was actually p- pretty much right before that. There's a couple of things that I like. I with the scene when he he does try to grab Thor's hammer is really funny. Uh, it's almost like an afterthought or afterthought that he should grab it and has no idea what he's getting himself into. And he just carry he gets and, carried across the room with it. <laughs> but the moment when uh, Nick Fury shows up with Maria Hill and Something that not everybody probably noticed, but I realized and I looked in to make sure it was right. The technician from Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the one who refused to launch the Insight helicarriers because of Captain's orders, oh. is on that helicarrier. With oh, them. shit. I knew I knew yeah. his face from somewhere. They were giving him far too much camera time to be... Oh. Yeah, that's the same character. That's the same guy. Okay. Obviously, in... in uh, was worthy enough to, to join this this new whatever it is well, of not course. shield anymore well it's it's going to be this is the thing as well it kind of it brings up complications of um agents of shield and i because the the release schedule of agents of shield over here is delayed i don't know whether there might be a scene in an upcoming episode where um nick fury turns up and says i'm going to need to borrow a, her- a helicarrier or something like that it doesn't he doesn't they, well, he can't do because if they had one, they'd be using it themselves. So the the, the latest, the last episode of Avenger or of, uh, Agents of Shield ends with um, we found where Loki's scepter is. We're 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 tracking down Von Stucker and um, List, and uh, now we're gonna send in the Avengers to to get it back. Okay, and they will get the fallout in the next episode, probably. I was yeah. very disappointed with the death of Baron von Strucker because I like him as an actor, and I would have liked to see him be kind of like a continually present kind of B-grade villain, kind of like a a henchman, but not one that gets his hands dirty. And his line about, you know, he gets in front of everybody and says, like, no surrender, we will not surrender... Anybody that surrenders, I will put a bullet in their head or something like that. And then he turns around to his number two and says, right, I'm just going to go off and surrender. Um, Make sure you destroy all the evidence. (laughs) It's just so brilliantly delivered. Uh, And I'm going to miss the guy. Uh, It's a shame. Very little of him. We saw so little of him, but everything we did see was just so well done that I kind of miss him more than I do Quicksilver. (laughs) I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far, but I do think that he mm. he was a very fun villain, and uh, I I don't know. There is something about this the, the Whedon's dialogue. I think there's a lot uh, I, I to enjoy make a character Whedon's. so small like that memorable yeah. enough to uh, 
for you to think about when you yeah. you're like, man, like that was a really good line. Yeah. The line that I was gonna say, by the way, that endeared me to Quicksilver is when that helicarrier shows up and they're rescuing all the people and trying to get uh, them out yeah. of there, which is Quicksilver and and Scarlet Witch's people uh, home. Yeah. So, which is what they've been fighting for this whole time, and when Shield shows up and saves them, hmm. and uh, Quicksilver goes, "So this is what Shield is," and this is, is it so Tony that, or Captain America that says that? Well, it's what it should be. Yeah. And he goes, "I like that. Like, there, I really like that line a lot. Yeah. I really like that. It's so simple, but it's just firing on all cylinders and, and fighting for what's right. This yeah. is what yeah. Shield should be, and hmm. even Quicksilver who." has had this disagreement with the Avengers and uh He's like, this is not so shield bad. and everything like that. Yeah. Real it goes, man, this is something. Yeah. Yeah. It it's kind of reminiscent of the Batman line, the kind of like um he's the hero that the city needs but not the one it deserves or something like that. Um it's kind of like, you know, that this whole is this what shield is? Well, it's what it should be. Kind of, you know, it, it's yeah. very idealistic. Very iconic, just you know, very pithy, just a couple of lines, and it just sums everything up just really nicely. Um, let, let's get to the actual bad guy of the piece, like the main bad guy. Um, Spiderbot. I, I Spiderbot, and again, like Joss Whedon in full effect here. Um, I really like the fact that not only did the trailer for Age of Ultron contain a version of No Strings from Disney's Pinocchio, but then they carried it through into the actual movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they would do that. And when I heard the tune starting up, I just smiled. I couldn't help myself. I was just like, Uncle Walt has come to town and he's giving them all the keys. <laughs> and I love it. I really do. Um, just The introduction of Ultron is just not what I expected, though. Like... Spader's mm-hmm. delivery is spot on, but I mm-hmm. didn't expect it to be quite so humorous. Yeah. It's one of those things, I, when I saw a couple of clips right before the movie came out, and there was like one trailer in particular where it kind of shows that showdown that they have in Wakanda, mm-hmm. like right before he and Tony start fighting. Mm. Um, they show just a little bit of it, and it made me go, Oh, he's going to be fun. He's not going to yeah. be... I just assumed he was going to be this real dark, brooding AI who's just angry. And he, he's well, not. He's no. hes not even really... He's really almost conflicted because he his mission is to save the world. And the just problem the is, with his vast knowledge, he doesn't <laughs> think the world's saving. So he's just going to... He's going to end it himself so he yeah. doesn't have to, you know... Well, it, it's the it's the traditional kind of robots taking over the world thing of how do we save humans from themselves? Kill all the humans. Right. If there are no humans, there's no threat to them. Okay, and there's... He even, yeah. and, and he says the humans can certainly prove themselves worthy, but they're not going they're to. They're not going to, because I'm too intelligent to know anything else. Um, I It's very typical of Whedon's writing that the bad guy should be as funny as that. Like you look at everything that he's ever done, especially if you look at um, Buffy, um, where Spike is just this character who he, you know, Spike Spike from Buffy was very much the character that was just a one season bad guy. Uh, he wasn't meant to amount to anything, 
but he was originally a very very dark character but he had comedic moments um mm-hmm. especially with um oh i've forgotten the name of the actress that played his other half i think it was like emily matow or something um mm-hmm. and then like she was the one that brought the humor into that relationship but as soon as spike clicked and the fans showed that they liked him they kept him around and they made him like properly funny uh, and it's true of all villains as far as I can remember from uh, Whedon's catalogue uh, you, you look at all the Buffy villains especially if you look at the Buffy movie um, where I, I can't remember it was Rutger Hauer um, and his sidekick was the vampire that got stabbed by a stake and rather than just you know burning alive or just disappearing into a cloud of, of, of smoke or dust or something. He does this kind of 10-minute uh, 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 dying thing where he's just, like, dying really badly. Uh, <laughs> like, bad acting kind of thing. Um, just very typical Whedon. And you compare that to the original character that appears in the comics, and he is a very one-dimensional, very um, kind of pessimistic about the human race and just kind of one note evil bastard and I prefer the comic version I really do I I, I like the fact that he is basically a dark mirror to his father who is in this instance Tony Stark um, mm-hmm. and they make the reference throughout the movie especially when they go to see Ulysses Claw who is played by the greatest actor that ever lived um, <laughs> there's a call back to something that I said once. Um, proxy, proxy friend of the show. Yes, uh, <laughs> by proxy because I haven't spoken to him yet, but we will one day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, Ulysses Claw is a bad guy that eventually becomes like the main adversary of uh, Black Panther, and he is the recipient of the now traditional Phase Two Star Wars arm cutting reference. Um, yes. He'll end up with a. Um, a a, some sort of um, sonic weapon on his arm, I believe. Uh, I, yeah. I think that's what Claw's thing is. Um, but yeah, he, he kind of he cuts his arm off, and he just says, "Oh, I'm sorry." Uh, you know, and he acts like it's like a boo boo, like it's oh, that, it's all right. You know, that will heal; it will grow back. Um, <laughs> he's a brilliant he delivery. I like that he doesn't mean to do it either. I yeah, like he's it, like, oh, he did not God, intentionally that must cut hurt. us off his arm, no. which is such a deliberate thing to do. Yeah, he was just like, oh, God, that's got to hurt. I'm so sorry. I'm sure that will grow back. It, it will be fine. His delivery <laughs> is just spot on. And it's like, I don't hate him. I cannot hate Ultron. I, I root against him. I don't want him to win. But I right. don't necessarily want him to die either. I just want him to kind of get his comeuppance and learn that he was wrong and that he can't win. Um, like Loki. Like the Loki. First Avengers. Who, again, Loki is another one of those characters, and I think more so in the Avengers than in either of the four movies. He's just got this wicked sense of humour that just makes you like him. Mm-hmm. And it's a strength of Whedon's that I worry is going to go missing now that he's stepped away. Um... There's also a weird, like, just while we're bringing this up, because yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about Loki and what he's done in the movies. There's, there's, <laughs> I think there's, I read somewhere, somewhere that another recurring thing throughout all of the Marvel movies is that in every movie, 
I could be wrong about this. In pretty much every movie that Tony Stark appears in, yeah. somebody tries to choke him. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, she sort does in this one. Loki does it in Avengers, and I'd have to go back and look at the other ones. But oh, uh, yeah, apparently, every time every time Tony is in a movie, somebody tries to choke him. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I have to look into that. Um, That's a pretty funny Easter egg, though. So uh, that that scene kind of links into the. Um... The, the big Hulkbuster kind of set piece uh, because everybody's minds are fogged by uh, Scarlet Witch's power. Um, mm-hmm. And we also get our first look at this idea that um, Ultron isn't confined to one body, that he can move freely uh, through the internet and he can transfer his consciousness to other robots and that makes him a very da- dangerous adversary because you can't ever truly pin him down. Because he's he's very easy to just move around. Uh, he can move freely, really. Um, the Hulkbuster, just the the entire fight, mm-hmm. so good, so fucking good. Uh-huh. And, um, the bit, uh, I think my favorite part of the entire um, Hulkbuster sequence mm. is when. Tony tries to just knock out the Hulk by turning yeah. his fist into like a jackhammer. Please just... go to sleep. Please go to sleep. Please go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> just repeatedly smashing his face. Yeah. yeah, the jackhammer fist is a brilliant idea. Um, personally, my favorite part was at the very end where they do a um, kind of revisiting of the first movie. You remember when the Hulk yeah. takes down that giant snake thing? And then punches four, just like nonchalantly, just his arm goes out sideways and punches four off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, they revisit in this, except Hulk kind of wakes up, emerges from the rubble, and kind of looks around at all of the people who are horrified at what he's done. And then the Hulkbuster fist just comes in from out of frame and smacks him directly in the side of the head. Um, and I was <laughs> just. Like, and they do that a couple of times. They revisit scenes from the first Avengers. I can't remember the other one, but probably not a, a problem because that's my favourite revisiting of, of the original Avengers. Uh, just, just a really clever idea, and you know, it's like little nods like that. There are plenty of nods in these Marvel films to the comic fans, to people that understand where these references are, come from. But there are very few. Um, of these little things that are nods to audience members that don't know the comics. And it's nice to see that they're starting, there's such a, a back catalogue of, of stories now in the MCU that they can actually become self-referential to the point that you can have something like that. And the audience, everyone in the audience, because there's very few people that have gone to watch Age of Ultron that have never seen a Marvel movie at this point. I think most if you people... do, I feel like, I mean, I think you'd get an enjoyment. I, the, the, we didn't humor is throughout the entire movie whether it's just a small line or a callback reference or something like that yeah you have these and even then if you haven't seen the avengers the um the the hulk getting punched by the hulkbuster at the end of that sequence is still funny funny. yeah Uh, nothing is taken away from it because he's uh because you haven't seen the first movie it just adds this you you see that image again. You mm. see the image of um, of somebody getting punched inside these big behemoths, you know, <laughs> kind of hitting each other, and uh, yeah, it's just it's really it's really fun. It's a lot of fun. It is. Um, 
to the point where I don't I don't think it's possible, even if you haven't seen the other movies. You might be confused, but you wouldn't be so lost to the point that you couldn't enjoy it. No, I, I think that one of the strengths of the MCU is that the movies will all stand alone, but when you watch them in sequence, they just become much greater than the sum of their parts. Um, but each movie individually, and I'm one of the people that I, I could watch any of them and enjoy them. Um, I know some people who don't like four, for example. Personally, mm. I really enjoyed the first four, maybe because Kenneth Branagh just has a way of directing films that makes them interesting to me, no matter what the subject. Um, I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, the second one, I don't like as much as the first one. Um, but it's still a, a decent movie and it actually opens up a lot of interesting possibilities for what's going to happen when we get for Ragnarok, which is coming out in a few years' time now. Um, uh, two years? We I have, think so. Wait, no, next year. Wait, no, next... no, no, two years. It's confusing now because Spider-Man is messing everything up. Well, Spider-Man, I don't think... Certainly the animated movie that Sony announced isn't going to be uh, canon. At least I hope no, it's no, not. No, 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 but there's... There, is that the next movie? I, I know that they're doing a... Um, Spider-Man's probably going to end up being in Civil War, I think. But they gave probably Ragnarok's original um, release date to, to the Spider-Man movie, I think. And then all of the movies changed because of that. Right, okay. I don't really yeah. see the point in them doing that for the simple fact that the if this is the animated Spider-Man movie, I just don't think it has any bearing on the MCU, so why worry about it? Let it stand on its own feet. Unless there's an agreement between Sony and Marvel that we'll let you use Spider-Man, but you have to clear your schedule so that we can release this film when we want to. Which is understandable, and you could kind of see that being the case. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of those things that I, I think that they would probably do. And I can understand that, because why would you want to put one of your films up against Marvel you're not going to win you just won't there's no way the the only film I could possibly see outgrossing uh, the Marvel movies if they were to be released side by side is the new Star Wars movie and yeah. I'm not even 100% certain that that is true anymore uh, because and they wouldn't do that either they wouldn't because they own both of them so you know that, that would be a lose-lose for them split your audience you get half the money um well, there you go. Uh, so, where are we? We've come back from... We've had the the fight in Africa. Um, they're back on the jet. Um, oh, they go to the safe house at this point, don't they? Yes. So, they go to the safe house, and we are introduced to Hawkeye's family, who we never knew existed. So, we are pretty much in the dark as much as the rest of the team were, with the ex exception of uh, Natalia who obviously knows that they exist because she's Auntie Natty to the uh, the two children he has already. Adorable children, by the way. Like, very <laughs> yeah. well adjusted, considering that their father goes out and shoots bows and arrows at aliens. Um, mm -hmm. Well, he doesn't shoot bows at them. I mean, that would be silly. He wouldn't have anything to fire the arrows with if he fired his bow off at people. But there you go. Um, anyway, I, I've heard from people that have seen the movie a couple of times that they actually appreciate the slowing down in pace at this point. And thinking mm -hmm. back to it, actually, I can see the, I, I can see why that's the case because it's, it's a very kind of 
the film feels very non-stop up until that point. And then you get to the farm and everything slows down. And I I think that that's a good idea. Um, you get some breathing space uh, for a little bit and it lets everything sink in. And I think most movies you need some time to relax. You, you can't just go 100 miles an hour from start to finish in a two, two and a half hour movie because you're just not going to take yeah. everything in. And that's where I think the one particular thing that Age of Ultron does better than the Avengers is its pacing. Yeah. There's, it slows down in the middle, but I never felt it's like that part in a roller coaster where you've gone, <laughs> you've had all these tight turns and then like, there's like those couple of seconds where you like slow down for a second. And then you, before you hit another hill, like yeah, you never, you don't feel like you're slowing down you, but you just feel like you're like you are, <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> something coming. So you don't mind the, the build up. Yeah, and yeah. so there's, I don't know, there's something about it where the first Avengers takes a very long time. Even though everything's really fun and enjoyable, it takes a very long time to get to where you need to go. Yeah. And in the Avengers, there's also a couple of scenes that feel draggy and aren't and don't feel like they're important. And Age of Ultron has those, but they're very short and they don't really feel hmm. long. And the dialogue that is uh, involved as well during those slower scenes. Um, I think it's some of the best dialogue in the movie. Uh, you look at the conversation that um, Iron Man and Captain America have while they're chopping wood, and the little joke about uh, don't touch my wood pile, even though it's much smaller than Captain America's. Um, I love when Captain America just rips that log in half is one of the best visuals. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, it's easy to forget sometimes that he has superhuman strength. Because mm-hmm. it's... If I have any criticism about the Captain America character on film, it's that we don't often see him exhibiting that superhuman strength enough. So he's basically just a guy in a blue suit who has a big shield. Um, yeah. And it's... I, I think they could do a better job of exhibiting his prowess in that sense. But other than that, I haven't got a problem with him at all. And yeah, I, I'm absolutely with you. When he ripped that log in half, I was just like, whoa, hello. Like he's angry, obviously. Um, conversation between um, oh god, <laughs> uh, Tony Stark and um, Nick Fury. You could kind of see that coming a mile off. Like, oh, the tractor's malfunctioned. It's never done this before. Could you have a look at it for me, you technical wizard? You. Uh, yeah. Go on then. Oh, look, Nick Fury's turned up. He must have finished doing whatever it was he was doing because he's not wearing those sunglasses anymore. He's got the eye patch back. Um, that felt like a... I, I don't know why, but... He went but, to Europe, didn't he? I, yeah, he went to root out some um, some spies or something. Which is fair oh, enough. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Hold the phone. He might have been going to investigate the twins. Oh, maybe. Well, he didn't do a very good job of it, did he? Well, no, he was he was doing oh, all he that figured, intel. No, that he figured out where the. Been his, so he God damn been, it! That's what I think. That's what he was doing. So he would have been the one that found out where the staff was. Okay, this makes a lot more sense. If you now. watch Agents of Shield. Fury has this toolbox with all this information about people who have abilities. Yeah, and Coulson, it, he gives it to Coulson to help start Shield, and he has and Coulson has it, and everybody wants what's in it because he, Coulson has these secrets that he's not telling anybody about, mm-hmm. and. And at the end of the movie, they basically say everything that he's been looking for has been leading up to the events of Age of Ultron. He's trying to... It's all about the twins getting the scepter, and that's why they call him the Avengers. 
I think that's what he was talking about at the end of, of Winter Soldier. That could be. The thing is, when when I saw Winter Soldier, I only watched it the once, um, but I did enjoy it. Uh, it felt more like he was kind of off to weed out some more Hydra agents. I don't know. It just felt that way. Um, but it did feel weird, it's the fact it's... that at the end of... I think he something about enhanced people in it. I could be mm. wrong. It's... Even though I just recently watched it, I've never paid attention to that line. I Yeah, it, it's hard for me to remember exactly what he said. But it did feel weird that at the end of The Winter Soldier, he kind of like ditches everything that is kind of his look, like the leather trench coat, the turtleneck, the eye patch. He puts on the sunglasses. And then in the very next movie, he's back to wearing the eye patch. And it's just like... Ugh. I was kind of hoping that he'd keep that other look for a little while longer. But there we go. I, I don't know. That's a silly thing to uh, to have a criticism of. Um, I'm going to have to pause it there for a second, mate, because I really need to go to the loo. Okay. Okay, I'll see you in a sec. And I'm back. Okay, so <clears throat> uh, let's wrap things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We've gone probably... An hour and a quarter at this point, I reckon. So, <laughs> um, um, Paul Bettany's awesome. Um, I right, think. Okay, let's get, let's talk about the fish. Holy shit! <laughs> I feel like we have we've been talking forever. We've barely talked about anything. I know, I know. <laughs> it's a conversational podcast. Um, the uh, we get the vision in this movie. Ultron's. Yeah. Ultron goes to Wakanda to get uh, vibranium so he can create a better body for himself, want to be almost indestructible. He ends up um, creating this half-organic, half-vibranium um, body, ends up uh, becoming the Vision when they intercept it from Ultron, and um, Tony puts Jarvis into the body, or what's left of Jarvis, yeah. um, after Ultron tried to kill him. Um, and um, once the Jarvis and the in the consciousness and the mind melt together, uh, there's this really actually I I I really like this one scene. There's a scene crowded around the thing. Everyone showed up, including Clover, Scarlet Witch, um, um, Captain Thor, um, obviously Bruce and and um, Tony are there, and they're trying to bring this body to life and and. T- himself a mad scientist he and bruce but mad scientist. um they're they're arguing over this machine whether or not they should turn it on and quicksilver unplugs everything so that they can't yeah and thor shows up and <laughs> electrocutes him into life yeah because because he's putting him the power of the way and literally frankenstein monsters him yeah. just... <laughs> i i love the fact that they justify his topless scene in this movie because they have to justify one in every movie um he has to go to a vision pool so that he can see a vision that he had when scarlet witch attacked him and um, in order to have it work properly, he needs to be naked. So he, he kind of does the L'Oreal advert with the hair swooshing, uh, with, his, with his bare man boobs showing. Um, it was it's, a good it's, scene. It's stellar skateboard looking on. Yeah, it, 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 it was a, um, a really good scene, actually. I, I, not the one in the bath, the one where he electrocutes Frankenstein to life. Um, What's fun about that is that you get this 
this like really quick fight scene where they're they're not at full capacity and they're all in a very small space, but they're all kind of using a little bit little bits of their superpowers. Yeah, yeah. It's um, really it's really quick but and exciting and intense, but hmm. like really kind of fun. I'm slightly concerned um, for the Vision in the fact that the Mind Gem is part of him and Thanos is coming for it. Oh yeah, that concerns oh, me. I don't know what will happen to the Vision if that Mind Gem is removed. Um, another interesting somebody thing pointed out. Uh, we'll get this really quick, but we just brought it up, so I'll mention it. Yeah, this has there are apparently two infinitely Infinity Gauntlets in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The one that we saw in Odin's treasure room in Thor, the mm. one that um, Thanos has. They're actually two separate gloves. Yeah. Well, why would you make one gauntlet? Pe- people ordinarily have two hands. So some and people so... are left-handed and some people are right-handed. So you want to make one of each. <laughs> but no, you're right actually because I did wonder that um in the mid-credits scene um after you know the the end of the movie um he just goes to what looks like his own vault and takes out the infinity gauntlet. And I was thinking to myself, "Hang on, we haven't had a a, a story where the infinity gauntlet has been stolen from Asgard." So unless Loki has because Loki has obviously now taken over as um Odin um, the at the end of um, uh, the Dark World, uh, we saw that uh, Loki had done something with his father and taken his place. Unless Loki, who has had dealings with Thanos, has given the glove to him, there is no explanation for how he has a glove already. So there being two gloves does make sense. It does make me wonder whether someone is going to get the other glove and put the remaining gems in that one, and they're going to have like a standoff between the two of them. Yeah, um, which of course is leading into Infinity Wars, and I'm super excited about that. But you're right, <laughs> Vision's gonna have to have a, a, confronta- a confrontation with Thanos at some point in the future, which is hmm. um, a little nerve wracking because we kind of know how it's gonna end before it starts. But it's, it's it sounds exciting. Hmm. Uh, so the Vision comes to life. Um, he seems a little hostile at first, but ends up being kind of calm. Uh, he sounds like Jarvis because he's played by Paul Bettany. Yeah. Uh, and I love the fact um, that they they kind of reason that fact by saying, look, Jarvis was integrated into the Vision, so that's why he sounds like Jarvis, because he is part Jarvis. I really like that yeah. idea. I think that's a great idea to, to do that. And also, Paul Bettany deserves a role in the Marvel Universe outside of being the voice of a computer. So mm-hmm. I'm all for him being the uh, the Vision. I think he looked amazing, actually. The look of the character is superb. I I think it might have been mostly practical, actually. It was. The only thing that was CG, apart from apparently uh, some of the things on his face were added post uh, so that he could be slightly more expressive with the makeup, uh, the only this, other this... thing was his cape. Um, other than that, it's all practical effect. It's really cool. It, it looks great. <laughs> it, does, it does look really good. And I, this is something that I will credit uh, Disney for. Um, Star Wars, as we know, is very practical effect heavy uh, to the point where BB-8 is a practical droid. It came out during the Star Wars celebration and people were like, what the fuck, how does that work? And I'm watching a series of videos where a bloke is trying to make a BB-8 model. And it does work, in theory, but I have no idea if that's how they did it in uh, in the actual movie. 
Um, but I like the fact that Disney puts so much stock in practical effects. I think it's much better for the actors to act in front of something physical than... And, I mean, you'll, you'll know yourself as an actor, Tyler, whether mm-hmm. this is right or not. But I think you're always going to get a more authentic um, acting uh, performance when you're acting alongside something that's actually there that you can interact with and react to rather than a tennis ball on the end of a stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think it makes a difference. I'm pretty sure Spader was on set too for the scene. So it wasn't yeah. like they were just acting with just a tennis ball. Like they had mm. James Spader. It wouldn't surprise so, me if they had him in a black suit with the tennis balls on it or the ping pong balls on it and he was mm-hmm. motion capturing. Then again, they Andy had Andy Serkis. Andy actually has a credit laid in the, uh, in the credits as a motion capture. I was going to um, say, you have Andy Serkis, use him. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's a motion capture, uh, what's the word? Consultant, I think. Yeah, that is, wouldn't surprise is me. Really, really, you'll see it. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, then um, Ultron's plan is to take the city um, uh, that, that twins are from, yep. Lace it elevate with... it into the air, basically turn it to a meteorite and crushing it into the earth, killing yeah. everybody. Um, he also used the um, the remaining vibranium that he stole to uh, lace. He, he creates a lattice of vibranium within the underground structure of the city so that it doesn't fall apart. So it becomes more like a traditional kind of asteroid or meteorite. It's got a lot of metal content to it, which makes it a lot more dense, a lot more solid, and means that when it hits the ground, it will do a lot more damage. Yeah. So um, that makes a lot more sense as well. And it's really cool, actually, how that thing works, like the thrusters that push it up into the air. And then you hit that switch and it turns around and just fires it into the earth rather than just dropping. I mean, that's a really cool idea. When that button gets pressed, I kind of thought Tony was going to be tested. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did look like he was stuck on the underside. <laughs> um, so, I don't know if there's anything in particular about the big final... Sp- oh, there's one the one thing I think that's worth talking about. Mm. Um, there's... Um, Skullich spends most of the beginning of the final sequence just trying to herd people out of the city. Yeah. And um she's kind of freaked out about everything. Um she kind of breaks down and Holly talks to her and try to kind of convinces her oh, to yeah. <laughs> join the fight. Yeah. And in, in doing so, he has this line where he's talking about he's like I <laughs> he's like where the 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 city is flying in the air there are robots attacking us, and I have a bow and arrow. None of this, None makes, of this sense. makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that's a wonderful line, and the whole thing of like, it, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done. If you step out of that door, you're an Avenger. Like that was a really inspirational uh, talk, and this was something that I thought come coming out of this film. The first movie, Hawkeye, was basically a henchman like glorified henchmen who got to fire a few arrows at bad guys at the end of the movie in the final set piece. Um, This movie is probably as much his as anybody else's. Um, I honestly would put him on par with Tony Stark and Ultron in terms of who this movie revolves around because it's, there's so much of it is about him. Um, And And right that chapter and, well, well, no, 
under that would be Black Widow and the Hulk. Then yeah. under that Captain America, and then really at the bottom, I think is Thor. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah. Thor's just kind of present, and with the exception of the of the running gag about Mon, you know, ah, fuck it, um, his hammer. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it. Uh, there's no there's no real well, and and them set Ragnarok, but it really feels like they're setting up Ragnarok. Mm. Um, Thor um, is a difficult character just because of the fact that he's a demigod essentially so it can be it can be difficult you can either underplay his importance and keep the balance of the film or you can make him more of a integral character and kind of have people asking why the hell he can't beat absolutely everyone um it was more understandable in the first avengers movie because it's an asgardian that is the main bad guy as well. So you've got that. Plus it's aliens that you're fighting. But when you're just fighting robots, just hunks of metal, and you've got a huge fucking magic hammer that you can just smash things to smithereens with, you probably need to be absent for most of it because otherwise it's going to be too easy. Mm. Um, And there's always going to be a character that gets underplayed and for is just a very easy character to do that with. Because he can have his funny lines, he can do the joke about the hammer not being able to lift it, and then he can get naked for the women, and that's basically all he needs to do. I like to see where he wears a hoodie and is like hanging outside of a university. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to blend in. You're nearly oh. there. <laughs> the so so then yeah so then the the movie. Wraps up, uh, Nick Fury and War Machine swoop in to kind of help save the day. Um, They hurt out of... They stop the meteor from crashing into the Earth. Um, Everybody in the world dies, which is nice. And you know what? They make a very... Not this is intentional or not. I think they make a very pointed effort to establish the fact that the Avengers are concerned about the death toll that they're probably going to cause throughout the entire movie. Or steel, we know lots of people died, and there didn't seem to be any kind of uh, attempt to stop anybody from dying in the big climax of that movie. Yeah, here's the uh, thing about that, though. Um, I think until you see how the story in total plays out, then it's difficult to criticize something, um, especially looking at the fact that uh, Superman versus Batman, or Batman versus Superman, I can't remember which way around it is, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> Batman Superman. Um, Dawn of Justice looks like it's very much based on the idea of Superman go home. Like, there's this massive contingent of people that just don't want him on the planet. That is a much easier story to write if there were a shitload of people killed in the first time that he tried to save everybody. And the thing is, that was the first... If they do build towards it, it it has to be built by the fact that... And the thing that, that... put such a bad taste in the end of Man of Steel was that they go from this big death tool to like these kind of winky nods with him and, and other characters and it just kind of ends without it ever being dealt with at yeah. all. No, I remember and saying that And this movie at least time. seems like they're going to attempt, but it already makes me feel like Superman doesn't care about anybody because yeah, I, I he don't... didn't care about him in the movie that yeah. he killed all I, the I mean, it, it's a... It, it's probably a mistake for them to try and tackle that in a second movie where they should have tackled it at the end of the first one. But I do honestly think that when you see those two movies back to back, 
as part of an entire story it will make a lot more sense and it will probably balance out and a lot of people will say oh that's that's just them trying to make excuses and apologize for what happened in the first movie well not necessarily you know like um empire strikes back ends on a real down note but that doesn't mean that they weren't planning for it to end on a happy note in the third one like mm-hmm. you know it's just it's long form storytelling but unfortunately we live in a time now where everybody wants everything to be solved in two and a half hours and there's no room for a story or patience for a story to be played out over uh, multiple that's films not, over many that's years that's not true because this is this is like the 10th or 11th Marvel movie with lots yes. of long term yeah, storytelling but, and but nobody me, said anything uh, like that. No, but let me yeah, but let me qualify that by saying that in each of these Marvel movies you have a self contained story which you have a beginning, middle and end. But you have an overarching storyline which is carried through the rest of it. And you know, I I think that the fact that they're telling such a large storyline you know the first few Marvel movies there wasn't that overarching storyline it was just self-contained stories you get to Avengers and suddenly everything starts opening up into this kind of like oh Infinity Gems and stuff like that but you know by then they'd already won the trust of people by saying look we've made this many movies and they're all awesome and you all like them and now we're going to tell a bigger story Man of Steel was the first film in a whole series comparison I think is if if Marvel had released Iron Man and it wasn't very well received. And then their second movie was Captain America Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, that's another argument for another podcast. We've had this argument before on another yeah, podcast. For, I don't know if you guys are following the MCU way of talking about superhero movies uh, <laughs> across, across different platforms. But um, I am... I very, very much think that the DC film universe isn't going to work, and uh, Dave is a, is a DC movie apologist. I am, I am, and, admittedly so. Yeah, and so uh, we, I knew this was this isn't a topic we should talk about right now because we're going to butt heads about it. No, we should wait uh, until Dawn of Justice is out and we've seen it, and then we can see where we stand. But um, uh, yeah. So, uh, but anyways, so. What has kind of become one of my favorite parts of all of the Marvel once the big action set piece is over, you get about 10 minutes of basically in a feel of where everything's going to happen. What's, what's the fallout from this? And in this movie, it's that the, um, the Avengers save the day and they're kind of joining with the remnants of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury to form the new Avengers, which seems like it's kind of an adapted version of S.H.I.E.L.D., at least what I got from it. Yeah. You're, you're you're basically trying to do what Shield was supposed to be again, yeah, um, but yeah. not calling it Shield. No, I I think that that's probably a good idea, especially since because we have Agents of Shield, and there's already a conflict between two groups as to who should be the real Shield. I don't think you want a third group barging in there, and so right. and, a... and I think this is Coulson's Shield is is the new Avengers. Um, that's what he's been working for towards all this whole and. Um, that's obviously what Fury had Coulson work on. And so if you track through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Winter Soldier, I think that this has been the end game is to create something like the hmm. the new Avengers. And that's where they're, they're heading. So in um, theory, season three of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. should be based on the idea that he's working for Fury again. 
Uh, well, yeah, I mean, he's always been working for Fury. Yeah, but I mean, in a more but kind of structured kind way, of like, off. Fury yeah. is the head of the organization, and Coulson is back in the field right. following orders. There is actually a moment in, in, in the, the one before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came out, um, uh, Avengers came out, where they they kind of imply that Fury isn't dead. Or Coulson, Coulson says to Richard, or um, Edward James almost. Uh, he's like he gives him the toolbox and says, or the tool the toolbox. Uh, he gives him the toolbox and he says, um, uh, "Yeah, here, here you go. Go nuts with it." But Fury's, but uh, Fury's gonna want to have that back when he shows up. Oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> 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 and it's great. Edward almost he has this like look like he's gonna shit himself. <laughs> oh, I love that. This is the thing and... that makes me happy is that even though we're losing. Um, the the Whedon Avengers movies going forward, so like you know, he's not going to be involved in the movies. He's still going to be heavily involved in Agents of Shield, and mm-hmm. I love me some Agents of Shield. I think the first half of the first season lost me, and then one of my friends told me to try it again and to get past the halfway mark, and I would enjoy it more. And it's absolutely true. It opened up. Like that slog that is the beginning of Agents of Shield is almost makes everything about the second half of the first season better. Yeah, it because does. it takes so long to for you to get, but once you get there, the payoff is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely agree. Um, and the new the new Avengers um are trained by Captain America and Black Widow. Yep. Consist of War Machine, um, Falcon. Uh, Scarlet Witch and uh, <laughs> oh, was wasn't there? Um, is it was it Vision? Vision is in it, yeah. Is he at the end? I can't remember. I think he was. Yeah, I think he was too. Yeah, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Falcon, and War Machine. Yeah, basically Crazy all of the sidekicks from the previous Black movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's not and... a bad thing. I'm kind of looking forward to if Winter Soldier is going to end up being a part of the Avengers near the end. Um, I, I'm really excited for, as much of a clusterfuck as it'll probably end up being, I'm really excited for Infinity Wars Part 2. There, just everybody there is a possibility. You know what I was saying before about contracts ending and all that kind of stuff? There is a possibility that they will just follow the Marvel Comics line and have Steve Rogers killed and the Bucky Barnes will actually take over as Captain America. There is that possibility. There is also the yeah, possibility also that Falcon could get, take over as Captain America. We'll there, I don't think we'll get there until. Oh no! Uh, not not until the two of those make up. <laughs> yeah, I think, no. I, I think that Infinity get... War is definitely going to have to begin, happen, and end. Uh, but after that, you could see Bucky Barnes, or you could see Falcon uh, taking over as Captain America because they have both donned the uh, the mask in the past or in the present. So I might guess it'll options. be it'll probably be Bucky taking over. More as than likely, America. more than likely. Because because they they do set up. There's a couple of moments where he holds the shield in Winter Soldier and yeah, they're, uh, they're making where nods. he actually has the super serum in him, and so he's got the elements that makes Cap, um, Steve Rogers Captain America in him too. So I think yeah. that that will probably be somewhere along the line, something like that. And then, if they want to, they can bring Steve Rogers back, but they can have a different actor playing him. Um, And people would probably be more likely to accept it at that point, given the fact that if a character dies and then comes back to life, you can pretty much do what you want to them facially. (laughs) I 
I prefer like like I'd, I'd certainly prefer not to to lose Chris Evans as Captain America. No, but I would too. If you did bring somebody else back in, I wouldn't mind. I don't think you could do that with Tony Stark. I, I would think be. You can. I, I don't think, think anybody else except Robert Downey Jr. could play Tony Stark. I, I think you could very easily have somebody grow a beard and have it in the same shape and have him turn up in an Iron Man outfit and do the same thing. I don't think it would be as good. But if they wanted Iron Man in future so. films, they could definitely do it by having a different actor. Um, I don't I don't think... I, I think people could could get past Thor... And Captain America, and certainly the Hulk, because it's happened. But yeah. I don't think anybody could replace Robert Downey Jr. But the, the thing is, no, nobody thought that they could replace Sean Connery, going back to the Bond thing. Nobody thought that Sean Connery could be replaced as Bond. And George Lazenby kind of proved it. Uh, but then they ended up finding, uh, well, everyone that followed. And each Bond has been different. And I think that might actually be the secret is don't try to be the man that you're replacing. Be your own man, be your own character, and as long as you cover the kind of core aspects of the character, you can do the rest as you want. Or don't replace Iron Man. Yeah, but that's not up to Marvel. That's up to Robert Downey Jr. as to whether he wants to renew his contract. Well, I, If he doesn't I, want to play I, Iron Man I anymore, he doesn't Tony have Stark to. will be written out to the point where he if his contract is gone and he has no intention of ever showing up again mm. it won't be an issue i, don't know, I, think I, I really don't think a... they're ever going to try to bring somebody else into no play, i character. i think as far oh, as marvel, i do not think they should as far as marvel is concerned iron man for the avengers is like batman or superman to the justice league he's a he is an important character to the avengers i mean christ the original avengers used to meet in his penthouse you know, in his house. It, like, there would be no Avengers if it wasn't for Iron Man. He's a very important character. And you don't always necessarily... You know, they could always have... Like, Rhodey could uh, step in and, and be Iron Man in name only. You know, it doesn't have to be that there has to be a Tony Stark. Other people can be Iron Man. But I think that, ultimately, if they want to go past Phase 3... And if they want to keep Iron Man in there, and they'll want to keep Iron Man, there's no way they're going to get rid of Iron Man, because again, it would be like getting rid of one of the keystones of DC. If Robert Downey Jr. doesn't want to play him, they're going to have to find someone else. And, you know, you you can look at all these other characters, like uh, Mel Gibson as Mad Max. Well, he got replaced. And uh, Connery as Bond. Yeah, but still, he's been replaced, and nobody's really... Nobody cares, because, you know... Mel Gibson's a bit of a... I was going to say something, but I could get sued. Um, Do you get me sued for calling him a dick? I was going to call him something different. Um, pertaining to his stance on Jews and uh, women and things like that. So I'm not going to say that. Um, and uh, any implications are completely uh, not my fault or my intention. Um, I might just cut that out. No, fuck it, I won't. Who cares? But, I, but no, I, I just think that you you can bring someone else in to play a character. I, I honestly don't think it's that big a deal. And yeah, it won't be Robert Downey Jr., but it's not like they can't find a super talented actor who can play Tony Stark in a slightly different way that might bring something different to the character. They haven't even touched the addiction side of the character. 
you know they they could go down that route um and that takes a completely different type of acting to the one that uh, Robert Downey Jr has shown in Iron Man I'm not saying he can't do addiction because he he's done it in real life at one point in his life so he knows what it's like and that's what a lot of people thought when they originally cast him as Tony Stark they thought oh okay they're going to have him go on the whole alcohol dependency route and you know even if you look at the first movie when occasionally he would have like a glass of whiskey or something it was kind of people were like oh hang on he looks like he's enjoying that a bit um there's the potential there i'm not saying i i know what kevin feige's thinking you know nobody does um but i've got faith that if they want to carry it on after phase 3 and if robert downey jr doesn't want to be iron man there's plenty of people out there who are capable and willing to do it instead and i wouldn't put it past them to cast someone else in the role if they really required it but I could be wrong, and we'll have to wait and see. Time will bear that uh, out to be true or false, and um, that's that. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, knowing that the next movie that, that is coming out involving these characters is called America Civil War, and features a poster with um, Captain America and Iron Man standing off, somebody forgot to tell those two that they were going to be fighting at the end of the next movie because they certainly seemed pretty buddy-buddy at the end of this movie. Yeah, but they're going to come to blows over something that hasn't happened yet. Um, and an ideal that hasn't really um, been argued about yet, which is should superheroes have secret, ident- secret identities or not? No, I don't think that's even going to remotely have anything to do with this. Well, they're going to... Because something's gonna there have is to no happen. secret identities. Everybody knows Steve Rogers is Captain America. Everybody knows Iron Man is Tony Stark. There's not a single one of these characters yeah. that who everybody doesn't know their secret identity. They don't have secret identities. None of them do. No. Was well, it a coincidence that Spider-Man's turning up? That Black Panther's going to um, be in the movie? Um, I know, think they're... it. I think it is a coincidence because I think they. <laughs> yeah, they announced it. They announced Civil War before they had Spider Man. So yeah, it is it yeah. is a coincidence. But no, I mean there there will be something that will happen that will divide the two of them. That doesn't mean that they can't get on well now. I, think, I still think that the thing that's going to divide them is basically a little bit of what we've been seeing. They these two have very different stances on what um, they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> And I think that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. I it probably, think, yeah. Um, the the fight between them is going to be, um, do d- d- Captain America wants to avenge? Like he wants something bad has happened, and it's his job to fix it. Whereas Iron Man really wants to stop anything bad from happening. He's very, and both of them are throughout several movies have made those points abundantly clear. Hmm. And I think that is the issue that is going to be the thing that divides them, is yeah. the fact that they have very two very different ideas of what it means to be a hero. Well, whatever it is that does divide them at this point, it doesn't seem to be an issue to them. Probably because they were able to successfully save pretty much everyone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be killed. And it's going to have them on opposite sides of something. And whether that is some sort of registration act for uh, superheroes and, uh, you know, gifted people. Or if it's some kind of uh, special prison for gifted people and they're just going to put everybody in them, carte blanche, whether they're good or not. I do think... 
if if it comes to some kind of registration thing, I think it will come down to the idea that um, just because somebody has these powers doesn't mean we need to put them on this. Yeah, like this, because Shield has this list uh, that they keep adding anybody who has abilities onto and are tracking them constantly. Yeah. That could be the only thing that I think it's obviously, I don't think it'll be there. Um, like these complete secret identities. I don't think it's going to be no. anything about that because I, just because that's been such a complete non-issue. In well, the, I mean, that, that was only one, star. that was only one facet of the original civil war. Um, the, the main, uh, part of Civil War was registration of all mutants and superpowered uh, uh, beings and mm. uh, mandatory training for them, which in itself doesn't sound like a problem, except that also during Civil War what happened was that mutants and superpowered people that were considered to be dangerous were put into a uh, neighbouring dimension uh a, a supermax prison that was designed by Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. Um, and Steve Rogers took exception to it because he saw too many similarities between what the government were doing and what was happening in Nazi Germany, which obviously to him is a big deal because he was around in the 30s. Um, uh, he never shuts up about it. No, he never does. World War II. Um, so basically what you have is Iron Man and Reed Richards, who were big proponents of lock them all up if they don't want to register then they're going to have to be locked up because they're basically illegals or something like that it's been a while since i've read it but this is basically kind of like a nutshell version um and um the offshoot of it was that because you have to register and because you have to register to a government list iron man managed to convince spider-man to come forward and reveal his identity um and so that was kind of like a, a big thing uh during the the arc of that as well uh, but yeah, basically it, come, it comes down to a philosophical divide between Iron Man and Captain America, where Captain America essentially believes that Tony Stark has become a fascist. Um, and they uh, it basically forces him and a bunch of other heroes to go underground and um, they have a, a massive fucking fight. But it's all kicked off by the fact that a bunch of mutants and superpowered beings killed a shitload of kids at a school because a fight got out of hand between them and some villains, and one of them went supernova and exploded like a nuclear bomb, because he couldn't control his powers, and um, and that's what it is. That's what civil war is in a nutshell. So there's a number of ways they can go at it. There's a number of ways that they can start it off. But at its core, what civil war is, is exactly what we already know, which is Iron Man and Captain America taking opposite sides on a very serious issue. And actually, Iron Man has a lot more support from the public than Captain America does, which throws up an interesting um, paradigm shift, which is that Captain America, who is always kind of like standing up for truth and freedom and the American way, suddenly in the eyes of the public is a criminal and nobody really agrees with his stance. And so he becomes the pariah, whereas Tony Stark always used to be. So it's quite an interesting time in the Marvel Universe and I'm no expert but I've read Civil War a good few times and I'm familiar with the, the story and um, it just it makes a lot of interesting decisions and tinkers with a lot of ideas about who these heroes are and what they stand for and um, at the end of the day it's Avengers versus Avengers which 
you know, that's something that we all loved in the first one, so why wouldn't we love it in Captain America? <laughs> and we loved it the couple we got in this one. Yeah. Um, so there we I go. Think that's it. I think we pretty much covered everything. <laughs> yeah, so we're looking forward to Civil War and um, when uh, Batman versus Superman, Superman versus Batman. Batman versus Superman. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. I'm just going to start calling it Dawn of Justice. Um, when that movie comes out, we'll definitely talk about that. Um, also, I'd like I'm to point sure out... We'll, talk, we'll, talk, we'll probably talk about Ant-Man. I'm sure we'll, we'll keep talking. I, I, oh, yeah. I enjoy these superhero discussions that we have. They're yeah. always fun. I, what I really enjoyed recently, I, I saw something else at the cinema which uh, I really enjoyed. Child 44, starring Tom oh. Hardy. Now, there is a Brit that can put on a Russian accent. <laughs> that is an amazing Eric film. Taylor Johnson. Yeah. No, that it's an amazing film and I recommend anyone that enjoys kind of uh crime thrillers uh to mm-hmm. go and see it because it, it's really well made and um I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh if I if it ever gets to be around somewhere like uh we we haven't had it anywhere near where I am. Uh we I've, I know it was released limited uh, in some areas, but we haven't gotten it. I, I got. We also got the same weekend we got Avengers. Uh, the theater I work at also got Ex Machina, so I'm really excited to see Ooh. that. Yes, I've heard really good things about that one as well. I feel like I already know the twist, and once you've seen the film, I need to talk to you about it and see if I'm correct. Because the only way that I'm going to be able to find out the truth without spoiling it for myself, if it's not what I think is by asking somebody who's already seen it. Because I'm not going to read Wikipedia, because it will spoil me on the rest of the movie. But I think there's something going on, and I can't wait for you to see it so that I can ask you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to see it very soon, probably within this week. When things die down because of Avengers, um, we—I was talking about this earlier, but it wasn't recorded, so I might as well throw it out here on this. I, I work at a movie theater with ten cinema screens. All ten are currently—we we have other movies playing, but all of the theaters are showing um, Avengers at some point. We we open up at nine o'clock in the morning, and our last our our first show is at um, nine a.m. And our last show is at midnight. <laughs> so, and, and people are constantly coming in. We have like showtimes, like I, I swear, we like 30 minutes. So, this is insane. We're, this is the second day of it being in America. Yesterday, it had the second largest single day um, haul of time. It, it made more money in one day than only, that, like, only the movie has made more money in one day. I didn't see which one it was, but. That is how much money this movie is making and how many people are seeing it. The people that are coming to see this are all over the place. <laughs> it's not like one kind of people. It's all of it's every kind of person is coming to see this. That's when so, you know you've um, got a massive hit on your hands. It's really exciting to see superhero movies have I don't think have the kind of pool that this has. I don't think any other movie and and the fact that we we have this thing that's so huge and and deals with all these like beside things from the Marvel universe like like the fact that the vision is in this I do think it's funny that the vision decided that he wanted a cape <laughs> that's I chuckled my... a little bit of that he yeah. just kind of created a cape out of nowhere he for just himself. looked at four and was like I want one of them <laughs> damn <laughs> he's still just an like elevator that. though god that's great that's fun I love I, <laughs> uh, these movies are fun um <laughs> So, so yeah, um, 
uh, that's it until July when Ant-Man comes. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, we'll get Fantastic Four too. Oh yeah, I want to watch that. Which isn't in, in the MCU, but it's, it's its own thing. Yeah, but it's still gonna be um, uh, still gonna be interesting. It is. I think it might actually tie like because X Men they own the rights to X Men. I think they're trying to create an expanded universe between uh, X Men and and Deadpool and Fantastic Four, which I oh, think really? are those movies are very different tones. So I hope Ooh. that's I I kind of hope they're not doing that just because I don't think it's a good idea. But I uh, I am very excited about uh, Fantastic Four. A lot of people are down on it, but I get I I've been excited ever since they announced who the the four. Uh, are. Yeah. Uh, even though I think that was a thing that a lot of people didn't like. It's actually something that um, really got me excited. I, I think um, the only real problem with it is that they all skew a little bit young, and Reed Richards has always been an older gent. But other than that, yeah. it's perfectly fine. I think they basically want to make Chronicle Part 2, and um, I'm fine with that. I'm, f- I'm fine with any movie which feels like it might be Chronicle, even if it's not. Right. I really like yeah, that movie's great. Just Chang's behind it. It's not gonna be found footage like Chronicle, which everybody no. seemed that was a rumor for a long time that, that was the case, but it it definitely isn't. Um There might be elements I, of found some footage. Some people started but... to turn around a little bit on the newest one, but I think I've always kind of been pro Fantastic Four. I think it looks cool and I'm excited to see it. Um so that'll be fun. It's coming up soon. Hmm. Um and we'll I'm sure we'll record again with that. We'll probably talk about this again someday, maybe with uh, Felipe when he sees it, because he's usually a part of these conversations. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Just wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. We'll speak to everyone soon. This has been a production of FanOff.com. And that's perfect. <laughs>